I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. It's Brian with Wildcat Radio. And on our other podcast, 12-Pack Radio, we are going through the season win totals of every Pac-12 team. And this particular episode covered Arizona, Arizona State, and USC. So we wanted to make sure to put it on this feed so you can listen, particularly with no sports going on. I think it's good to have some more information for people to listen to. Uh, keep an eye out and an ear out for these podcasts. I think we're going to keep putting some of these 12-Pack Radio episodes on the Wildcat Radio feed just so you can have uh, – some more things to listen to, and also um, just to give some more context into the Pac-12 in general as we move forward. We are on the uh, we are recording from the standpoint that we think that these Pac-12 games will happen, but they will probably happen later. So the season win totals will likely remain the same. Um, all the rosters will likely remain the same as well. So I hope you enjoy it and keep a lookout for other episodes coming soon. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer, and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model with Rob Bowron. Thank you for joining us, and guys, guys, I'm not going to lie, I really I really needed this one. It's been a long, it's been a long 10 years or two years or a week or however long it's been. And uh, just to talk talk Pac-12 football news with you guys, uh, appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you haven't heard us before, we're 12 Pack Radio. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. You can also follow us for free on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. And um, this may or may not be our version of the vagrant outside yelling at buildings because hopefully there actually is a season and season win totals to cover. But that is the theme today. We're going to go through all the Pac-12 teams go through their win totals uh, from both Las Vegas and from numbers in Atlantic City. And the first person we should introduce here is uh, William Hills, Max Meyer. What's going on, Max? Not much. No, I'm excited to discuss win totals. And ju- just a heads up, the reason why we're saying Nevada, New, uh, New Jersey in uh, descriptions of these two different win totals, uh, these are legitimate sports books that are offering these. But I would prefer not to promote other sports books besides William Hill. Uh, so, and I know my bosses would definitely prefer uh, for that not to be the case either. And these are, I mean, these, these uh, win totals are out there. I'm sure that most betters uh, know where to find them because these are two pretty sp- uh, popular sports books, but yeah, we're just going with the New Jersey and Nevada designations for both just because um, there are a lot of different numbers between these two. So just always uh, shop around for the best number. And I mean, we'll be going over that in the podcast. Yeah, that was super surprising. In fact, there's a couple where 
there's a half a win baked into one book over the other and the same odds with the juice. So yeah, absolutely. Um, really important to shop around. And of course, we're always joined by Mr. Rob Bowron from Beta Rank. What is going on, Rob? Oh, I'm, I'm excited to be here too. Like this is a, this is a nice distraction. Like uh, it's, it's been an interesting week. I'm in the, I'm in cleaning through 85 through 81 or, you know, in beta in the beta rank projections. And uh, there's a, uh, there's two, two pack 12 teams back to back. So Colorado today, Arizona tomorrow. I wish you wouldn't have said that. Years. I was going to say we we're getting into our trash power five conference teams. And then you just mentioned there was two pack 12 teams. Whoops. Two. Well, and we already got we already got UCLA. Congratulations. <laughs> um, this is going to be an awesome conversation. We're going to go a lot of dif- different directions, and I think what is going to tie this all in a, in a great giant bow is we're joined by Hithliday from Addicted to Quack and the Quack Till Podcast. And Hithliday, our our previous podcast that covered the offensive line i really love that conversation and we went an hour and 30 minutes on o-line play and so we had to hit pause and say all right like guys let's let's uh, pause here and then go into win totals next uh, in the the next podcast and now we're here so how are you doing uh i'm doing great i promise to be equally if not more long-winded and we're going two hours yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be awesome, and uh, we appreciate. Yeah, you all. I have an I have an eight a.m. meeting with my C. I still have it. An eight a.m. meeting with my CEO every every morning during this quarantine. Bring it him is, on the pod. Uh, I, bring, bring him on the show. <laughs> yeah, what, what does the CEO think about it. Arizona State? <laughs> uh, actually, let's let's start with ASU because I, I think that actually might be. Uh, I think Arizona and, and ASU might have the the largest either agreement or disagreement. I'm not certain which way this is going to go. So um, ASU, um, let's, let, we'll go into the season win total in a sec, but let's just talk about them in a vacuum here. Um, and I'm curious with you, Hithliday, I think the biggest feedback we get uh, in terms of grumbling is from ASU fans um, because there is a sense of momentum in the program I I am I love Herm Edwards. I think he's a, a great person. I think he has given an identity to the team. I am more hesitant on him being a coach that can get them out of that seven to eight win area, which is uh, or six wins or five wins. I think that's kind of where he is. But there is a lot to like about this team. There's a lot of returning production. If you're a Sun Devil fan, um, I know that we've talked here about uh, about Jaden Daniels's accuracy. And going back and looking at his numbers, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions as a true freshman, about 60% pass completion rate. And I know the pro football focus guys are further down, and we'll, I'm sure that'll come up here in a second. But he has a really strong wide receiving core. He has some a lot of four-star running backs that are going to hit the field. And to be frank, like their defense doesn't, doesn't lose a ton. Merlin Robinson comes back. Their secondary basically all comes back along with Chase Lucas. They have Jack Jones, who's fitting in now, um, who's taking the place of Kobe Williams. So really a lot to like there if you're an ASU fan, but we still have them in the the three area. So why do you have ASU not in that that um, category four uh, portion? A couple reasons. Number one uh, is, as we talked about in the last time we were recorded, I think uh, their offensive line is in the most trouble uh, for the entire Pac-12, and if you if that turns out to be the case, that they have um, uh, 
you know, just not a very good offensive line uh, and, and that the depth is pretty precarious. You know, they, they have to bring in two transfers in order to get up to five. Um, and if they take an injury, I mean, God help them. Uh, and, and if you don't, I mean, is a longtime philosophy of mine. If you don't have an offensive line, you don't have a football team. Um, the So, you know, that's problem number one that I see for them. Problem number two is they lose the most production uh I, I believe or they have the they have the lowest returning career production from skilled players uh in the entire pack 12 um you know they basically have zero tight end production returning they have zero running back production returning they have uh some wide receiver production returning but they you know they lost you know their best wide receivers um they have a number of talented kids they've recruited but until they see the field you know it's hard to say how well that's going to uh translate and and, you know, so that's that's the other problem with the offense is like the, the most, you know, they bring back a very dynamic player, arguably the most dynamic player in the Pac-12 and Jaden Daniels. Um, that's kind of it. Uh, and, you know, how much and and that's without even getting into, you know, the very obvious freshman problems that Jaden Daniels had. Uh, you know, the, it sounds like, you know, we we this podcast has been discussing for, for quite some time. Like, you know, he was I, I can tell you from doing film study, like you know, he misses his reads a lot. You know, he, he does not make the play to where the play is supposed to be a lot. Now he, he does uh, do that uh, a lot as well. Um, but it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Um, so, you know, whether or not he grows up as a quarterback is another, you know, big question mark. It's entirely possible he does, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, and that's all before we get to the defense, <laughs> like, uh, defense was just not good last year. Um, and, you know, they lost their defensive coordinator. I, I'm not sure they upgraded. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're losing a lot on the defensive line, which was not, you know, a great unit. It hasn't been for a while. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't think I think their offense has a lot of question marks and they're not going to be helped by their defense. And so therefore, uh, you know, I have a hard time buying into ASU um, for whatever else uh, they've got going for them. Max, outside of the win total, which we'll get to in a second, do you think ASU improves as a team given the players that they've lost? Uh, so they they finished seven, eight and eight and four last year, or seven and five, seven and five, right? Eight, eight and five. Oh, eight, yeah, eight. They yeah. won that they, stupid, they finished stupid, seven, five stupid. And stupid so, yeah, I needed, to, bowl. I needed to erase that when <laughs> from my mind. Um, I would like. I would say if we're doing eight and five, like that sounds about right to me, eight, eight and five, seven and six, I'd have them in that range. Um, I just think Arizona state really, really struggled in the trenches, both offensive line and defensive line last year. They really did not get much pressure at all. And I think that hampered their secondary. I mean, um, the secondary didn't give up like a lot of big plays, but you could definitely, they could definitely, um, on short throws, I think that was really evident in the Washington State game. Like Washington State had a field day against Arizona State's defense because they, I mean, um, they were just like completing all these short throws and getting the, these yards after the catch. And I just think with not having that stability or that pass rush ability up front, that really harmed them. Uh, and then I actually think one under the radar. Uh, area that Arizona State I think is going to uh, falter a little bit is special teams just because their punter last season was unbelievable. And he, he put opponents in, 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 in dire field position or starting field position. He was like the and M- I th- Mitch Wisnowski of, of like the, of ASU. He was going really pro impressive. early too. Like he, 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 he declared as a junior. 
Yeah, and and then um, I mean, Ayuk I, was a, a, um, a, a solid returner. Uh, Brandon Ruiz, who was injured um, either most or all of last year, he was a solid kicker, but he transferred out, and it felt like Arizona State's kicking game w- was a mess last year. So I'm not really big on their special teams. Uh, their defense. Well, I think the interesting thing with their defense is now Marvin Lewis is their co-defensive coordinator, and from what I've been reading, like he he basically like wants to ramp up the pressure. And I think that that could definitely do wonders. Uh, but the offense, it just seems like it's going to be the Jaden Daniels show. They, they have a lot of talent at wide receiver, but it's mostly raw, unproven talent. And I think that next year, when Daniels is a junior and he and he has that chemistry with these young receivers outside of Darby, who, who's their top returning wideout, I think that that's where Arizona State could take a step up. But this year, uh, I'm not buying it. I think they stay in neutral. Hey, I have a question about their secondary. Um Chase Lucas returns Jack Jones, so they have two solid corners, I think. And I'm curious what you think, uh, Hifliday, about what you saw with them in, in film study. Uh, Ashari Crosswell is somebody that is projected to be just awesome this coming year. And then they have some other like players around that secondary, but it seems like it could be really a position of strength, not just in the in at ASU, but in the Pac-12 South in general. But I'm wondering if that's overblowing the returning production on that front. Um, I think Chase Lucas and Ashari Crosswell are are, uh, are are better than average uh, defensive backs uh, for the Pac-12. I, I don't really have any beef with them. I, I don't think they're um, tremendous talents. I don't know that you, you know. I don't know that they can do the Washington thing and like build their defense around their defensive backs. But I don't think those guys are vulnerabilities either. Um, the guy that has me just stumped is Jack Jones because I will watch him in one game and you can tell why he was a five star. You can tell why he was recruited to USC. Um, and then you watch him in another game and it's like, Oh, that's why USC gave him the boot. Uh, he's, that's another Jekyll and Hyde player for the devils. Um, that, you know, I, I don't have a good answer for you because I mean, I, I, in my film preview of Arizona state that I wrote last year, like I put up like six or seven film clips of Jack Jones where I was like, Hey readers, can you help me figure out what the story is with this guy? Cause look, he's terribly out of position on this play and look, he's making an amazing play on this play. Like what's the deal? Uh, I, I don't have a good answer for you, Brian. It'll be interesting because he, you know, came in after being booted from USC, he had some time off, like kind of playing himself into the position. So I guess you can you can make a glass half full argument there. Rob, can you give us some ASU numbers here before we get into the totals? Yeah. So last season, I mean, the the defense was wasn't great by Power Five standards. They graded out at forty four. Um, that's a world of difference from how bad the offense was, which graded out at eighty nine. Um, Max. Max is a good point um, on their special teams. Their special teams graded out at 30, but with Ayuk and Turk not there, like I would expect some regression for sure. Um, Beta rank only gives them an eight, like grades them out at 82 on coaching and development overall. Um, they rank 70 in returning, 72 in returning production. They've got, uh, they rank 101 in returning production on offense, only returning half of their pr- returning or production from last season. Um, 32 on defense. So, you know, the, the, a chance for it to matter a little bit more. Their recruiting took an uptick at this last year. So their two year average is up to 26. Um, but I don't expect, I don't expect those wide receivers to necessarily make an immediate impact, um, across the board. Um, 
yeah and like you guys hit it all mostly i mean and it's a new i mean like they're breaking in two new two new coordinators they're, i mean those are both fairly big question marks too so the season win totals here uh jersey has them at seven and a half and there's a little bit of juice that you have to pay uh minus 121 if you want to go over plus 100 so even odds if you go under and vegas has it at eight so plus 125 if you want to go over eight and you got to pay dearly to go under minus 145 if you are taking that under there. Um, let's go into their schedule here. So they start, they got a Thursday game on September 3rd against NAU. They have a bye. Then uh, they have a Saturday game at UNLV. And then they play BYU. Max, you want to break down those three games and, and where you have them? Uh, so for those games, I mean, Northern Arizona is a win, but then again, I mean, Arizona state did struggle with Sacramento state last year. And I feel like that, even though the Kent state game ended in a blowout, I feel like that there were some dry spells, uh, as well for the Sun Devils. And there was like eight, I feel like there was a ton of turnovers there and on Kent state's front too. If I, if I don't, I remember watching that in Vegas, but sorry, Um, please continue. Uh, you, so then they go next to UNLV. Uh, UNLV new head coach Marcus Arroyo. Uh, ASU is going to be favored in that game. Rob, I, I'm interested to hear what Rob has for this game, but I, I'd imagine by double digits. Um, and then the BYU game, I think the BYU game is kind of sneaky. Uh, I wouldn't uh, for Arizona State in that game. Like maybe it definitely wouldn't be more than a touchdown. I, I would think at least. I, I I really like Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback. So. I'd maybe say overall uh, projection, maybe like, uh, it's, I'd say like maybe like a 2.1 or 2.2 wins out of three, something like that. Man, if they, if they went one and two to start off the season. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. no, no. I mean like 2.1, 2. Like if I'm just adding like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah the game yeah they're they're i would be shocked if they go one and two and i think and let me just break down i think what you're doing max is that's the system that i have where i'll go from um one i'll go from a system of one to zero or one is there's a 100 percent chance they win this game and zero there's a zero percent percent chance they win this game and then like 0.5 would be a coin flip so is that is that kind of the system that you go through as you're processing like how many wins that a team's going to have in the season yeah so I did. I I have my um, Pac-12 power ratings, and with so I have, for instance, like Oregon, I have as the top team, and then I have USC two points behind them, and so that's how I basically, and then I have the uh, point system for all the teams, and then the differential between uh, one team's uh, power rating to the other, that's the spread I would have on a neutral, and then I would adjust uh, for, and then so I make up. What my projected spreads for each of the game, and then obviously adjusting them uh, to where the game is being played. And then I convert those odds into uh, win probability uh, percentages, or I, I, yeah. And then I, and then I basically add, added all the Pac 12 slate up, and I got raw numbers. But I, I, I but because I, I don't, I didn't do them for non conference because I don't know these teams nearly as well. So I have a, a good, I have a good rough estimate for what I expect for these teams to go in conference and then non-conference it's more, um, I, I don't want to say guesstimating because I, I, it's, it's, it's stronger than a guess, but not, not 
perfect or or close to perfect. Well, good thing we have a friggin' awesome mathematical model here to break down some of the non-conference games. Rob, what do we got here with BYU and UNLV? <laughs> Heavy favorite uh, against UNLV, even though that's uh, on the road, uh, potentially in the new Raiders. I believe it'll be open, the new Raiders stadium. Um, UNLV actually has, like, if you haven't looked, UNLV's got a pretty good uh, non-conference slate coming in uh, to open up that stadium. Uh, so Beta Ring's got it at a 91% win probability for ASU in that game, about a 17.5 point favorite, um, which is more of a, like, a very good reflection that UNLV is expected to stink. Um, BYU, however, that's a close one. So they come in and projected at 62. Um, Arizona State's at 57. Small difference between the teams. It's at ASU. Uh, Beta Rank has it at a 58% win probability for the Sun Devils, but just uh, just shy of two and a half. So 2.44 uh, points for the Sun Devils there. Okay. Let's move on to the next three because if, if we bog down and get everybody's opinion on each three, it's going to get... We'll be here for four hours. Uh, US, so at USC, they have Oregon State at home and UCLA at home. And Hithlidaeus, go with you here. They're playing at USC. I think they're going to lose that game. Uh, you know, that that's a home field advantage that I don't think that ASU is going to be able to overcome. Uh, and I, I'm sort of thinking the USC is going to be surprisingly good this year. You know, I think they're going to be capped by uh, how their coaching staff, but you know, they have such a talent advantage. It's such a returning production advantage. I mean, we'll talk about that more when we get to USC, but uh, I, I think it's going to be really hard to beat the, the Trojans at home. If you're an average team as we sort of think Arizona state's going to be. Um, and then uh, they have Oregon State and UCLA both at home. Um, I think that ASU is simply going to be better than both of those teams, and they'll win. Rob, let's go to the next ones, unless you 100% disagree with any of those. That seems like we have. No, no, that, that's all. That that's all. That all jives. I'm with it. That's about four and two or five and one, depending on that BYU game. So the next three games they have coming up, they come off a bye after UCLA. So they have Colorado on the road. They're on the road at Wazoo. And then they have Cal at home. And on my end, like coming off a bye, going to a bad Colorado team, I think they win that game. I'm more down on Washington State. I I think that um, new system, not as much practice. I really latched on to Hithliday's idea of uh, Leach just just recruiting large rocks as offensive linemen, and now we're in a run and shoot. So I think that might uh, that's that's factoring into my appreciation of what Wazoo is going to be this year. And I think Cal's going to be good. I have them going one and two, Max. I'm curious what you think about those three games. Yeah, I think Colorado's a win. Um, I have Washington State as around a two point favorite in that game. And so Washington State is actually coming off of a bye. And this would be Arizona State's second straight road game with the previous one being in the high altitude in Boulder. And then they have to travel and going to Pullman is never an an easy trek. So I think I would say that they lose that game. And I think with Washington State, since that game's on Halloween, that they're like (laughs) Halloween at Pullman, man. What what a time. (laughs) <laughs> There's definitely going to be some struggles early, earlier in the season, but you would think by um, game seven or eight for uh, for what it is for Washington State that they'll at least have some kind of rhythm. So I, I think that Washington State wins that game. Uh, and then the Cal game, I have Cal as 
basically like a half, like a one, I'd say like a one point road favorite uh, for that game. And so I lean that Cal wins there, but that's a tricky spot for Cal because I think that that ASU game, it's like, it's, it's Cal's like seventh straight game in a row. So that's always a tough spot there. Yeah. That's without a buy. That's a good part in the spot in the Halloween. I love those Halloween games, man. Everybody, my my favorite like screenshot was the video. Uh, it was at an Oregon game, and somebody was dressed up as the most interesting man in the world. Like it was just great. He had the whole like the pretend the pretend Osekis. He didn't ha- actually have bottles in there, to be fair. Uh, but it looked really good. Uh, the next three after Cal are at Oregon, Utah on the. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, at Oregon, Utah at home. And then they finish up with a Territorial Cup at ASU. Uh, curious what you think, Hifflade. At Arizona. At yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Uh, although, wasn't there a stretch uh, where, like, the road team always won uh, yeah. in the Territorial Cup? So who knows whether or not that's an advantage. Um, I, I've got them uh, I've got them losing to the Ducks uh, on the road. Uh, I just, you know, revenge. Let's put it that way. Um, and... Uh, uh, I think that Arizona is going to beat them. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, reasons to tell you why, other than I, I'm a little higher on Arizona, having, you know, given them a little more thought. And uh, I, I just one of those Pac-12 things, rivalry games. I, I think Arizona is going to win. Um, Utah is the interesting game um, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, Utah's just losing so much. You know, we we really don't know what the new team is going to look like. Um, uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Utah winning that game. Uh, I I think that the continuity of Utah's staff uh, is going to you know be an advantage over the disruption in Arizona State staff. Ooh, okay, Rob, what what do your numbers have for that Utah Arizona uh, State game? So it's got Utah favored by three and a half. Um, and it's got Arizona State with only a 37% win probability. But, I mean, by that time, like, you know, Utah's, you, you know, Utah's, re- like, lack of returning projection, they should have gelled a bit. Yeah, like, they better I, I have like it together. There too. <laughs> I mean, if they don't, I mean, you've either had a rash of injuries or things have gone really south. But, um, eh, yeah, I, I like the Utes by that time in the, in the schedule. Okay, so the Vegas win total again is seven and a half or eight. I I thought that this was hovering around right about where I would anticipate. I don't see a lot of value in this, Max, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, so overall, like for the uh, for Arizona State and conference, I have it uh, at their conference record at four point seven five wins versus four point two five losses. So at that point, the um, I, I think it was the Nevada where Arizona State was eight, but the juice was minus 145. But in order to lose that, Arizona State would have to win nine regular season games. So they'd have to go nine and three. And normally I, I wouldn't really touch a juice for a win total if it's a half. But sometimes if if my number is a, a, is a game or two off and you have that safety net of eight where you get your money back, then I think laying the juice is worth it there because I I don't see them getting to nine, at least based on what I have them rated as. That's interesting. What do you think, Hithlade? We're doing regular season, right? Like We're not taking yeah. a bowl into account. No, you don't count. We don't count bowls. For- yeah, <laughs> especially that su- after <laughs> well, that Sun Bowl. My goodness. We also don't count conference championship games. It's a win total. Yeah, no. Well, that's what I figured. Just look, we're <laughs> talking about. 
we do count we we do count tony the tiger frosted flakes being dumped on the the head coach's head we do count that though delightful uh i got arizona state at seven wins uh uh including a non-conference um I, you know, they've, I think they've got a fairly soft non-conference. I think they've, uh, you know, they miss Washington from the North. Um, and all of that adds up to being a pretty soft schedule, but ultimately I just don't, I'm not a big believer in ASU this year. They could prove me wrong. Uh, but I, I, uh, I am finishing at seven, uh, outside chance at eight. I really have a hard time seeing them get to nine. Let's, uh, let's give you the last word on all these here, Rob, with the numbers. What, what does beta rank say? So Bettering has them at seven and seven point two five wins um, when you count in the FCS game. Um, it actually agrees dead on with Max on in conference. Four, it's got them at four point seven four. Um, the the Pac twelve South projects to be terrible, um, but I I think the model's underrating USC. I think the model I'm I'm I say this as someone that you know went to Arizona. I think the model is underrating Arizona um, a little bit, uh, and I think. You know, ASU is definitely a team just like they were last year. Like they can go out, and, they could go out and lose to UCLA. You know, um, so I, I, I would, I, I think they're under on this. Like I, I, if it's eight, I, I'd be pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, that sounds- I think the surest. I think the surest thing about Arizona State is that they will absolutely lose a game that they shouldn't, that they should win, yeah. and they will absolutely win a game they should lose. That's totally fair. Um, I, I, I vehemently and offensively disagree with the fact that you said that ASU is going to lose a team like UCLA, Rob. How dare you? How dare you? You're talking about putting them down into tier one. They lost last year. I was about to say, they got destroyed last year against UCLA because I think think they only ended up, UCLA only ended up winning by 10, but it was 42 to 10. That was was before the universe fell into a portal, Max. This is a different age here. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I remember like it was like a little bit after that they had been they had played utah and like uh, some snarky people from utah twitter were like conjecturing that utah had broken asu <laughs> permanently <laughs> we broke a seven win team good job guys um yeah let, let's stick in the pac-12 south here let's go with arizona and rob your thoughts on this team and my thoughts on this team have been aired with many grievances over the course of the last two years. So, Hithliday, what what do you expect from this Arizona team? Um, we talked a little bit about the offensive line. We went a little bit into what it could be in the coming year, but I tend to be a little bit more optimistic when, uh, when not a lot is expected from a team that's returning a lot of starters and a better coaching staff. Now, I think you can argue how, how much better, <laughs> but uh, at least marginally better. Well, like I said earlier in the week, you know, their their greatest two gains were losses. They lost Khalil Tate and they lost Marcel Yates. Uh, I, I'm surprised there wasn't a parade. Um, the the I, I actually really liked what I saw out of Grant Cannell uh, or Gunnell. How, how do I pronounce his name? I always say Gunnell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I I definitely think they should have stuck. Uh, with putting Tate on the bench and played uh, Gunnell uh, for the entirety of the second half of the season. Um, uh, I think he's one of the bright up and coming quarterbacks. Uh, and, and so much of Arizona's, you know, problems offensively last year were Khalil Tate running backwards and out of bounds. And if Gunnell just takes a normal sack. Hey, there's an extra hundred yards. Um, the, the, uh, uh, now, all of that said, I don't actually foresee a whole ton of uh, actual 
uh, on the field improvement. Um, you know, I think they're returning a ton of production for stuff that was fairly, you know, mediocre, you know, like they're bringing back all their wide receivers. I don't, I'm not in love with their wide receivers, right? They're bringing back a ton of talent at the, or excuse me, a ton of, uh, experience at the offensive line. Cause there were so many injuries last year. They played like half the team and some of the cheerleaders, but, uh, I wasn't in love with the offensive line. I could say that about every unit, <laughs> uh, for Arizona with the exception of the quarterback. Um, uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, regression to the mean is an overused and incorrectly used term, but to, to, to continue that trend, I think they will regress to being something like a five win, six win team, uh, simply because that's got to happen at some point. Right. Well, you take a look at their defense and yeah, I, I think that the, everything went wrong and it started at the quarterback position. There was injuries on the offensive line and, uh, you had a bad defensive coordinator. Arizona returns all of its defensive starters except for the safety Scotty Young, who just entered the transfer portal this uh, right now. And I would argue that he was out of position all the time. Now, every Arizona <laughs> defensive player was basically out of position in the secondary, but that's a whole nother story. Um, they still have some decent players. Con Schooler, Tony Fields is solid. The the biggest issue for me was something that we had talked about on your podcast, uh, Hithliday on uh, on uh, the Quack Twelve podcast a long time ago, which was the pass rush for Arizona. And they return all like literally they're too deep, uh, almost. Uh, but like none of them were good. They get a New Mexico transfer. Congratulations, Arizona, um, on a New Mexico transfer that had 29 tackles last year. But um, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, um, it just seems like with a better quarterback, this team is going to score more points. And with a better defensive coordinator, it's going to be you're going to see some improvement here on this front. Um, I don't know, Max. Like, do do you expect a lot from this Arizona team? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't expect a lot, but I, I do honestly, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of underrating Arizona a bit, maybe, uh, in my power ratings. I actually, I have them as the third to last team. There's still, I have them considerably ahead of Colorado and a good a chunk ahead of Oregon state too, but I have them like a slightly like a point behind UCLA, but maybe I'm, I'm underrating the Wildcats because I agree. I, I think, Yates being gone at defensive coordinator, even if Paul Rhodes is past his prime, that's still a very big upgrade. And and I just feel like with Tate, um, when he didn't have Rich Rodriguez, it was a square peg in a round hole kind of offense with Kevin Sumlin trying to make it work. So I think Gannell, the more traditional passer, maybe that that, that does spark more consistency with the Arizona offense. Well, let's get into their schedule here. They have Hawaii at home. They have a week zero game, by the way, August 29th, Hawaii at home. Portland State at home, and then Stanford at home. And um, I just don't see a scenario at day where Arizona beats the Stanford team. Yeah, I have them losing to Stanford, too. Um, you know, it was crazy watching that game in film study last year um, because KJ Costello came back for it. Uh, it was like the only game that he played post, you know, the craziness 
this at the beginning of the year. And it's like he was on a mission to destroy Arizona and humiliate Marcel Gates uh, and and and, you know, mission accomplished. And maybe both teams were happy about that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, I yeah, even though I'm pretty low on Stanford and have been given Arizona fans a pep talk, I'll podcast long like, like yeah, Arizona's going to lose that game. Does anybody have Arizona coming out three and zero in the first three games? Yeah, no, but I'm actually, I'm Rob, I'm, Rob, I'm interested to hear what you have uh, the lineup for this game because I personally make it. I have Stanford by four. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I mean, like as as we talked about, like the model's fairly high on Stanford, and I think you know you could you could take that with a grain of salt. It's I think it's low on Arizona, but it's counted at almost twelve. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right, but I, like Arizona, but Arizona projects. I mean, like Arizona project. I mean, they don't project as bad as UCLA, um, but they project. I mean, they don't project to be a particularly good team, right? Like they have a, the their defense. They mostly bring back their defense. The defense stunk, right? Like I mean, like on paper and how bad they were and how recruiting's gone and. You know, like, the, you know, the model doesn't see that Khalil Tate played, you know, more than half the snaps last year and that they're bringing, you know, promising quarterback back. But um, I mean, I think I think that the line should be under 10, but I I would still maybe put it at eight. Okay. Yeah, because no, I, I, have, I have because I thought I was higher. I thought I was going to I mean, just based on my ratings versus the win totals, I'm definitely much higher on Stanford than the market. And I feel like I'm a, I'm aligned with Arizona, but I still even even with those facts, like I still have Stanford only as a uh, seven and a half point favorite on a neutral. I think the big issue is that Stanford is probably going to, as they have in the last couple of years, lean on. Uh, you know, tall, difficult to defend receivers. You know, Simi Fajoko, who was terrible in the first half of the year, turned it on the second half half of the year i don't see anybody on arizona's roster that can deal with that kind of passing attack no. um I, I think that stanford is going to basically score it well against arizona <sighs> right let's move on um arizona goes basically to mars next they're playing in lubbock against texas tech which is just that game will be a delight there's going to be like eight thousand points scored after that game they have a bye then they go back to Pasadena. I can't think of two different types of places to go. Lubbock, Texas, and then Pasadena, California um, to play UCLA. And then they have a Friday night game, October 9th, against Colorado. And Hithliday, looking at those three games here, what, what sits out for you? Um, that I... You know, I, I think Arizona is going to go two and one. Uh, I, I don't know what the loss is going to be. Um, I. I, I view all three of those teams as about the same. I have them all categorized as category twos, as we were talking about to begin the show. Um, Texas Tech was not a great team last year at all. In fact, Arizona beat them if if uh, you needed a, a benchmark for that. Um, but I, I just don't think that Arizona is good enough to sweep these three teams, um, even though I think they are. You know, I would probably say that Arizona is a little bit better than all three of these teams, but they're not so good that they're going to sweep them. Rob, what do the numbers say on those games on the road at Texas Tech and on the road at UCLA? Yeah, it's got them all fairly close. I mean, it's got Texas Tech, I mean, uh, in Lubbock as a four-point favorite. It's got Arizona on the road in Pasadena as a one-point favorite. And then it's got the game against Colorado as a true toss-up, um, you know, 50% win probability. I think that Texas Tech game is, is closer 
Um, but as you know, as simple as they said, I mean, like Arizona is just not the kind of team that's going to win three straight relatively close to toss up games, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the next three are at Washington, Oregon on the road. I'm sorry. Um, you forgot yeah. USC. Just chalk that as an L one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, USC at home. Although Arizona always plays USC well and then loses by like three points. Just every like mark that down for one of those games where Arizona puts up a good effort that, and covers the spread. That was like that was like three years ago. Like <laughs> the, the last time that that happened. Like UCLA or USC steamrolled us the last couple of years. Like and it, especially if Khalil Tate was playing. Oh Lord Almighty. Uh, so, yeah, the next three are USC at home, Washington on the road, Oregon at home. And on at face value, Arizona should lose all three of these games. But for whatever reason, Arizona does does tend to sneak out um, one upset win. Is it going to come from any of these teams, Max? Uh, well, I think the most interesting spot is when Oregon comes to Tucson. Uh, just because Oregon, it's in between two big Oregon home games between Stanford and USC. So there could definitely be a a sandwich spot there. And I still have Arizona as a 15-point home underdog in that game. (laughs) But I'm just saying spot-wise that that could be tough. And I mean, I I have have Arizona as, well, USC I have 13. 13 ish 13 13 and a half ish but washington and oregon i have over two touchdowns so it's going to be tough but if i had to pick one the the oregon's and and the ducks as i uh, mentioned uh i think it was on the last podcast like they've struggled in the desert in recent years um but yeah just between that spot like if i had to pick that would be the one yeah hitler 15 and a half so you're saying there's a chance what do you think as an oregon fan going down to tucson uh, I, I think that Arizona is going to lose all three of these games, including while hosting Oregon. And the reason I say that is because I have no reason to be accountable because if Oregon loses in the desert one more goddamn time, my heart is going to explode and uh, you're not going to be able to take it out of the corpse. <laughs> okay. I mean, Arizona would need a repeat of the Justin Herbert can't read zone game Yeah, um, in, in Tucson. So right now we have about five wins, or I'm sorry, four wins for Arizona uh, without an upset in those three games. The next three are November 7th at Utah. Then they have a bye because they had that, that week one game. Then they go at Arizona State and they have ASU at home. And I mean, those three games, if you're looking at betting the over for Arizona, that looks like fairly, fairly good. But again, you're really betting a lot on uh, Utah not getting their act together and playing at home on a on a Saturday. Uh, I thought it was a Friday for a second, but Saturday, and um, and ASU not being able to to really take care of business in a rivalry game in a year where they should be pretty solid. I don't know, uh, Max. What do you think? So the Utah game I have as thirteen point favorite Utah. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, at, at, at Salt Lake. Um, and then Oregon State, I have Arizona as a slight road favorite in that game. Like uh, about, let me see, about two-ish. And then Arizona State, I have them as a three-point uh, road favorite at Arizona. 
And I remember um, looking at winter, our game of the year lines at one book and, and it had it as Arizona as a seven point or Arizona state as a seven point road favorite in that game. And that, and that blew my mind. Um, so I think, I think between, I, I think that they're, I mean, the Utah game, yes, this is a, 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 um, a down Utah team just because they're replacing so much, but having that Salt Lake home, home field advantage, I think is a major plus. And, and I, and I love the coaching advantage there with Whittingham. Um, I think I, I, I would think that if Arizona should be able to, or actually, I, I guess should be able to pull out the win in Corvallis, but Corvallis is never an easy place to play. Um, and then Arizona state, like, I think Arizona is definitely a live dog in that game. Uh, but I would say like overall, maybe something like, uh, 1.4 wins and 1.6 or maybe a little lower, maybe like 1.2 wins and 1.8 losses in that stretch. So the season win totals in Jersey has Arizona at five wins and Vegas at four and a half. And I just see those lines as 100% betting on Arizona's wheels coming off because you have Hawaii and Portland state. That's two. Even if they split against UCLA and Texas, that gives them three. If they split against Oregon state and Colorado, that's four. And then you have Utah and ASU like a split there and that's five. I don't know like that. And, and that's the worst. I think that's the worst case scenario for Arizona. Um, I know they lost against Hawaii, but they were on the road and <laughs> with, with Cole McDonald coming back and throwing 18 interceptions and then Khalil Tate throwing 18 interceptions. I tend to be, I tend to want to take this over Hithliday, but um, I, I, I have him landing at five. Um, I, I, I think you're right that, you know, looking at their opponents, that five is about as few wins as they can get. But I also think that five is about as m- many wins as they can get because, you know, look, th- they got to play Oregon, Washington and USC. They're, they're not going to beat Stanford. They're not going to beat Utah, which means they're, you know, what are their they would have to they would have to win, you know, pretty much the two toss up games, which are, in my opinion, are Arizona State and Oregon State. Um uh, and, and, you know, I, I just don't believe in Arizona sweeping the, the coin flips. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Rob, what do the numbers say here? I mean, Bain race got them at 4.77. So it splits rather neatly splits the difference there. Um, and it's got them at, at 2.69 wins in conference. I, I mean, the thing with Arizona is that I would like, I, I think, I think Gannell is a significant upgrade. Um, I think not just having, not just having roads at DC is, is important, but like a lot of that defensive staff was just the Island of misfit toys. Like ukulele, the, the defensive line coach was totally out of his depth. Yeah. From a Juco um, school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, I mean, I don't know what they were. I honestly have no idea what they were thinking there. Um, like the, uh, my expectation is, is that Arizona manages to like at least make a the jump on defense into like at least a very bad Power Five defense instead of where they've been. Um, and with that, like I, I think I think five. But the trouble is, like I think five is as you said is like is totally reasonable though because when you look at the schedule, as simple as it, like the distance between the Arizona and the rest of the teams on their schedule is tough. Like there's just too many games that they're they're not going to have any shot in, barring you know like the barring their opponent having like four turnovers, um, yeah. So like five like five feels about right for this team. Okay, let's move over to USC and 
Holy oh, crap. You, you don't want my opinion? Oh, I thought you were to get. I'm sorry, Max. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to move on, that's fine. But um, so for Arizona, I have I'm slightly more optimistic than Rob with conference projections. I have them at 2.99 conference wins and 5.01 conference losses. I think that this is a stay away. Um, I would say that this this I feel like five is the right number. And with the one, there was one, it was Nevada that has four and a half, but the over is minus 160. That's way too rich to lay on that. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think five's right. Uh, it's just about right. So I, I'm staying away from Arizona. Yeah, good call on that juice. I didn't see that 160 there. That's a lot of money to lay um, for a team that uh, really hasn't gotten its act together. Uh, speaking of teams that haven't got their act together, USC. All right, here we are. Uh, what, a, what a transition. <laughs> you know it. The segue of the year. <laughs> um, th- look, th- this offense is going to be good. And looking at their defense and the players that they return – it's a lot. It's particularly one of the things that we had talked about on this podcast when we were previewing USC last year was the fact that they had a lot of uh, interesting pieces in their secondary, but they were all young and unproven. And they also had Clancy Pendergast, and he is finally gone. They bring in the Texas defensive coordinator. Um, Hithliday, I'm just curious what you think of this USC team because, and we'll get to their schedule because, my goodness gracious, that is a problem. But what do you think of this team in a vacuum? Because I, I tend to be pretty high on USC this particular year, and I know it's like Lucy in the football. I understand. But, um, but it seems like they had their offensive side put together, and maybe they lose against some elite teams that can kind of – like you mentioned last podcast, they could hold their feet to the fire on play calling. Um, but I, I anticipate a bit of a jump on the defensive side with a better coordinator and some players that are, have had a year in the system that are all blue chips all over the board. Uh, well, obviously I agree with you on the, on the talent, um, you know, that you can say that every year about USC. Um, I, I, I guess I would put it this way. Uh, I think that's a category five team that will play like a category four team because of their coaching. Um, and and that's how I'm treating them. Basically. Uh, uh, I I am not sure on the offensive side of the ball, who's in strategic command in terms of like game planning, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it didn't change from 2019 to 2020. Um, whether it's, uh, Harrell has total command over it or whether Helton is involved uh, and to what extent, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be the same, and I did not like their strategic awareness um, at all. I didn't, even though they have a good offense, they can be trapped in in a lot of ways into doing uh, dumb things. Um, I love Keaton Slovis. I think he's the best quarterback uh, in the Pac-12 last year. I think he'll continue to be the best quarterback in the Pac-12 in 2020. Uh, I love their wide receiver core. I, I you know, I ranked their offensive line number one, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that means they're a great <laughs> offensive line because uh, it's a Pac-12. Um, I kind of don't think that it matters, but I kind of also think that they're going to be limited, uh, especially against very high quality defenses of which they play many, um, you know, h- how much that's going to matter. Uh, so, uh, you know, n- uh, you know, I think they'll be fine on offense. Uh, I, I am not as convinced as you are uh, that uh, the defense will take a jump. Um I was calling for Clancy Pendergast to be fired. I, um, I have a hard time parsing Todd Orlando because his schedule is so Jekyll and Hyde. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, but different people, but like his 
his numbers over his career are crazy. Like he, he will put top 10 defenses on the field. He will put yeah. bottom, you know, 20 defenses on the field. It's crazy. Um, I, I think it has to do with the fact that he runs a, a defense that if you don't have the personnel for it, it's a, it's a three, four defense. And if you don't have the personnel for it, it really doesn't work. And at Texas, they did not have the personnel for it. Um, and in fact, Texas, defensive personnel said that after he was fired you know the instant we switched back to a four-man front uh we started kicking ass again and we all watched the you know utah get destroyed by them in the bowl game i don't think the usc has the personnel for for todd orlando's three four um i do not like their interior defensive linemen at all um i don't think they have anybody who can play nose tackle and as cal can tell you if you don't have a nose tackle in a three-man front like you're in big trouble uh i don't like their uh i like some of their linebackers but i don't think they have enough of them for a four linebacker system um and uh, and, and that's it so that, you know I, I think even though I, I like a lot of the talent on the defense uh, i like the dbs i love their dbs coach of course um the that uh, you know i just don't love the way their defensive front is going to be configured and i think that's going to hold them back okay two questions for you and then i'm going to throw it to the other guys because uh that was a lot and um and you do a lot of film breakdowns so when you're talking about and we we touched on this in the last podcast but i don't think we got into the details here so you mentioned that teams can box in usc into doing dumb stuff what would be like a good example of how teams and particular like oregon is probably the best example how did oregon force usc to do things that were um that were just predictable or just not smart and how do other teams kind of basically add on to that while they're while they're game planning around usc's offense um usc well, number one, they don't want to run the football uh, for ideological reasons that don't make a lot of sense. E- even in situations where they ought to be running the football, they will, uh, you know, pass run a little screen or a little short uh, something out of it. And you can predict that pretty easily. Uh, they love march in the field, even though they have the talent to take deep shots. They don't take deep shots as often as uh, they ought to. Um, they The very first drive they had against Oregon is, you're right, it's an excellent example. In fact, we did an entire podcast breaking down that game with the, the Pac-12 football in 60 play cut on the Pac-12, uh, or excuse me, the Quack 12 podcast. You should go listen to that one, um, in which we, you know, I tried to delineate exactly how it was happening. Uh, they will get in positions where Slovis uh, wants to extend the play. Um because, you know, he always wants to find the play. That's, you know, probably his greatest strength and his greatest weakness is that Slovis wants to extend the play. Well, sometimes it works out for him and sometimes it does not. And against a really great defense that produced sacks, that produces turnovers, that, you know, he had two red zone turnovers turnovers against Oregon um you know it, it, it can get pretty brutal uh and you can it's difficult to illustrate without Nexus and Oseboard but you can definitely put the structure of USC's offense into a place where you can force a turnover um it's not even that difficult okay another question on the defensive front when you when you listen to and watch USC games all of the announcers gush over the inside linemen on the defensive front. They always talk about Jay Tufele and Marlon Tuipolotu as being like, these are the guys are the anchors of the USC defense. So I was surprised when you had mentioned you don't like the interior defensive line because um, it's the opposite. And and I understand that announcers are wrong <laughs> and they often are. Yeah, I mean, like we, how many times have we gone through this? Actually say that? Yeah, I mean, I heard, I heard that multiple times where they were talking oh, about because I would say I would say the most important player is Hufanga, their their safety. Yes, I, he's definitely their most important player. Yeah, easily. Well, I know he's awesome. 
Um, I'm just more like there were three, and, and I, I remember it in the Oregon game because they were talking about them being the anchors and in the Utah game too because those were like big primetime games and they were kind of highlighting those two guys. Why do you not like them and what do they do that puts USC in a bad spot? In a 3-4 defense, the guys who will who I think are good on USC's defensive line, which I, I would include Drake Jackson um, and uh, – uh, I, I think that to, uh, uh, Tui Pelotu, um, will be playing a DE, uh, that's fine. Um, the, 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 the keystone to that arch is the nose. Uh, and they don't, they don't have that guy. They, they, the best they've got is Brandon Peely. Uh, I, I'm telling you, we were talking to Lisa D'Artola, uh, from the Rainer Tribe Troy podcast about this, and and you know she didn't immediately tell me I was an idiot, so I'm going to take that as confirmation. That I watched that dude got run over so much. Um, I, I I just don't think they're going to be able to anchor the middle of the line, uh, and not in the way that an odd front is configured. Uh, you know I, I think they're going to be pretty good at, at locking down the edges, um, because like I said, I love Drake Jackson, um, but up the middle. Um, especially the way with their, the way that their linebackers play and, and losing uh, uh, John Houston and Kristen Rector. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in their defensive front being able to stop the run. I mean, they were terrible against the run last year. They were ninth in the Pac-12. They were like number 84 uh, nationally against the run. Like their interior defensive line was just not that good. Okay. Max, we covered... USC's offense at length uh, over every position. What do you think about the defense? And are you optimistic or like, what do you think about the Houston hire? Just a lot of, I'm sorry, Houston or Orlando. I'm going through different cities here. (laughs) The Todd Orlando hire. (laughs) Um, What do you think about that defensive front and how it plays into their season win total here? Well, I mean, I, Anything is better than Pendergast, and I'm sure that you guys feel the same way going from (laughs) Gates to Rose, that even if it might not have been a home run hire, at least it's, some, at least it's an upgrade. Um, yeah, USC definitely has talent. I really, I really, lo- I really like Drake Jackson. I really like Noah Hufanga. I mean, they have some really strong pieces. But I, it's just that this defense has been so inconsistent over the years, including last year. And I'll believe it when I see it when this defense comes together. But with USC, I mean, their their win total to me is, is fascinating, just because. Power rating-wise, I only have them two points lower than Oregon, but just because of USC's schedule, and and this is just in conference, I have Oregon winning 1.07 more Pac-12 games than USC. So that schedule is abs- it's it's brutal. It is, and let's get into it. Uh, and just one more question here: Who Hithlade? Who would you take in terms of the cornerback units here? ASU's or USC's? And, and taking out the the safeties here, just just pure cornerbacks. Um, hmm. so uh, I would take USC's. No, I, I shouldn't have hesitated. I, I didn't understand your question at first, but yeah, uh, Elijah Griffin, uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, uh, Chris Steele. Uh, I think there's some more. Like, yeah, no, USC's. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into this freaking crazy schedule that USC has here. Uh, first three games. Hello, September 5th, first game of the year for USC. They have Alabama. Uh, September 12th, they have New Mexico. And then they have to go to Palo Alto and play Stanford on the road. 
And that just seems like, and I mean, how many times, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this before, Rob, man, if USC goes one and two to start the season, <laughs> like that, that just seems every year <laughs> that schedule. Clay Helton will be the president if USC goes one and two. He will be the president of the university is my <laughs> takeaway after the last couple of years. Well, I, I think, I think there's a strong disagreement here, which, which would be good to flush out. It seems like, uh, the three people on uh, on Twelve Pack Radio, like the, our normal hosts, so myself, Rob, and Max, have Stanford rated higher than you do, Hithliday. Um And I, I think that's just based on like returning production and um, and really that's not about it. So what um, when when USC goes to to Stanford, third game of the year, they're coming off kind of like a cupcake game against uh, New Mexico. What uh, do you anticipate that being close? I think USC is going to win by 30. Oh, okay. Um, well, that that's good. I'm glad you said that. Cause I think, I think Max would disagree here or maybe, I don't know. What do you think, Max? Yeah. So I, I have this as USC seven and a half. And I remember we were, uh, the three of us, we were looking at game of the year lines and I think it was USC by like 11 or 12 <laughs> in that game. And it's actually dropped down to nine, which is interesting. But yeah, I I don't think that this game should be. I don't think this game should have a double digit line. I I, I have it seven and a half. I really want to talk about Stanford, but we're I want to stick to the South here for now. Um, what it it just seems like that that Stanford and, and I always make fun of the uh, of the farm like nobody goes, but Stanford has a really good record there, and. Uh, and it seems like USC has a lot of question marks on both both uh, trenches, and we we definitely covered Stanford's issues on the offensive line, and they lose two of their starting defensive folks. But there is still some some good talent there. Uh, Hithliday, why are you so down on Stanford, and why do you think USC is going to come in into Palo Alto and just run away with it? Which certainly could happen. I'm just curious. You're a smart football guy. I'm trying to figure out like a, looking at this from a different prism. USC beat them by 25 last year. USC returns almost everybody. Stanford returns uh, fewer dudes, and a lot of the dudes that they return are not great at playing football. Um, I, I am honestly baffled that anyone thinks this is a question. Like, USC is going to kill them. I'm telling you. So I actually – so USC, I mean, they're all, I mean, their offense absolutely torched Stanford. I actually think that this game – the reason why I think this game is going to be closer – um, is just because this was also Davis Mills' first game uh, thrown into the fire, and, and he was at LA uh, Memorial Coliseum facing USC. He actually played like decently well in that game. Like I don't think the Stanford offense wasn't the reason why they lost the game; it was the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. And I just think with that second year, especially with now Costello out of the picture and in Starkville, I really I'm very high on Davis Mills. And I think that the Stanford offense, while I they're they're definitely not nearly as good as, as or they're definitely not as good as USC's offense, but I think that that's kind of a sneaky unit. And so I, I yeah I think Stanford's offense can definitely um, get the edge over USC's defense in this one. I disagree. Uh, I think that Stanford's defense is not going to be good, and I think USC's offense is going to be very good. Uh, Davis Mills doesn't play defense. Um, I don't tell you, USC's going to kill him, man. Like it's it's going to be a bloodbath. Rob, you get the final word here. I mean, I probably I probably have it closer to nine. 
the model I think is underrating the Trojans. Um, and the model only has it as USC by two, but I, I think that the real line's closer to nine. Um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, th- I do think USC is going to get obliterated by Alabama. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that they'll bounce back and, and be informed by the, you know, it, after playing New Mexico. If it, if it was the week immediately after, if it, if it went Alabama yeah. then Stanford, I could see the game being a lot closer. But they get New Mexico in yeah. between the league wounds. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think they'll be back to, you know, their natural superiority uh, by, by the week after the week after. So I think the next three games are the most intriguing here. USC does not have a buy-in between these. So after they play at Stanford, they have ASU at home. They go on the road on a Friday night to Utah, and then they have Cal at home. Like that's that is a really sneaky three-game stretch. And if I were any other team, I would not be excited about this. And if I were a USC team that had a lot of pressure on their shoulders going through, uh, probably coming off of like a twenty-point loss to Alabama, um, you know, like and, and just expectations sinking really quickly. Man, that's a lot of pr- pressure on Clay Helton. Max, what do you think about those three games? So I have USC around a 14-point favorite against Arizona State. I have USC as a four-point favorite over Utah. And I have USC as a 10, 10.5-point favorite over Cal. But I I would be very surprised if USC wins all three of these games. I mean, the Utah game alone... Uh, USC Utah, the home team has won every single game of this series except for one. And and especially, I mean, USC has been a house of horrors on the road on Friday nights, and this is Friday night in Salt Lake. Uh, so that's always a challenge. And I mean, and and Cal, like Cal, uh, USC blew out Cal uh, in Berkeley uh, this past season, but Cal won uh, the season before against USC and Justin Wilcox's first year there. And I just think Wilcox, with the way that he was treated and fired at USC, like that game is always going to be circled by him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I think that the Arizona State game. I think that that should be. I think that USC is going to really blow out Arizona State in that game. Um, and then Utah is going to be interesting. Uh, Cal, I think that they should win, but I've seen weirder things. I'm going to go. I mean, just based off my. Um, probabilities i have it at i have it at 2.32 wins in that stretch uh in that three game stretch so yeah i'll, I'll go two and one there yeah rob what do those what do those numbers say about those three games because all three of them like oh man like that is that like to for any team to go alabama at stanford asu at utah cal like that is that is a rough stretch so what, what are the numbers for those three games See so the the model, as I said, like I think I, I'm higher on the Trojans than the model, probably by you know almost close to a touchdown. Um, so it is it has them as a seven and a seven point six seven favorite over ASU, uh, three over Utah, and three and a half over Cal. Um, but I mean I th- I think USC's like I think USC is just going to be better than they were last year. Um, particularly i mean like i think the continuity of what they're bringing back on offense i mean i think they're gonna blow out arizona state um i like i like the the spot that they get utah in because they always play utah fairly early in the schedule um i don't know that utah's got it fully put together and then 
Cal's a tough one. Like Cal's Cal's the game that I that I could see them dropping if they did. Okay. Let's move on to the next three at Arizona, Colorado, and then at Oregon. I have the Arizona game being a win. I have the Colorado game being a win. That game at Oregon is going to be, I think, awesome. Hifflade, what do you think? You're you're an, you're an Oregon fan, and it one of the best stadiums in the Pac-12. You know, yada yada yada. What do you think about the chances of USC going into Otson and pulling the upset? Uh, I rate them as low. I I think Oregon's going to handle USC um, in a pretty similar fashion to the way they handled them last year. Okay. What do the what do the Baderick numbers say on that, Rob? Uh, Baderick's got it as a toss up. I mean, the in, the interesting part here is that we don't know. I mean, we don't know that much about um, you know what the Oregon offense is going to be like. You know, when the rubber hits the road, mileage may vary a little bit. Um, but I mean, that this will be this will be the most interesting ma- matchup um, in the Pac-12. That that Oregon defense against this USC offense, like that's the exciting part. The bigger unknown, of course, is the Oregon offense against uh, USC's defense. Okay. I, I'd be more I'd be more concerned about this game if it were earlier in the year. But as it is, it's you know it's the fourth to last game of the year. Um, you know the offense is going to have yeah. yeah the offense should be humming at, at that point and. You know what was it? You know, sixty-two to seventeen, or you know, uh, there were a lot of turnovers. That that was that was turnover rated. USC put up some yards in that game. You're correct. Uh, I think that that those turnovers weren't like those weren't crazy turnovers. You know, I think think the turnover numbers that Oregon generated were, you know, it was not luck assisted. Um, I, I think the uh, kickoff return for the touchdown was probably Lexus. On the other hand, USC special teams coach was uh, terrible and got fired. So maybe it wasn't that luck assisted either. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But, but uh, you know, as it stands late in the year, I, I think any concerns I have about Oregon's offensive line gelling should be resolved by that point. Um, I'm sort of going on faith that Oregon's quarterback will be reliable. Obviously, you know, all bets are off. He turns out to be a Braxton Burmeister. Um but, you know, assuming they get competent quarterback play out of that, uh, you know, it, it is largely, uh, you know, yes, USC has a new defensive coordinator. Oregon has a new offensive coordinator, um, uh, you know, but largely the same staffs. So I think it will be lar- largely the same result. And this time it's in Autzen. Uh And, you know, Autzen's going to be pretty loud. Yeah, that'll be a real fun game to either watch in person or watch on television if if it happens. Um, Let's go into the next three games here. Uh, Washington at home, at UCLA, and then uh, the Trojans finish off the season with Notre Dame at home. Another three intriguing games. This is just a really fascinating schedule, Max. What do you got? Uh, So I have USC as a seven-point favorite over Washington. I have them as a it's like just under two touchdowns against UCL at UCLA and then Notre Dame. I'm not really high on this Notre Dame team. I, I think USC is going to be favored. Um, I cannot like I would probably say like three and a half four for that game. Um, yeah. So I, I, I in this. I'd probably. Mm, yeah, like I'd probably have it like close to, um, like yeah, I like the win. Probably it would be like two point one, two point two. So yeah, I'll go two and one in that stretch. Okay, and then Rob, when we take a look at the season win totals here, we have uh, Jersey has them at nine, 
the season win total. Plus 110 for the over, minus 134 if you want to take the under. Vegas has it as uh, eight, with which is just a crazy discrepancy, the whole game. Um, minus 130 if you want to take the over, and plus 110 if you want to take the under. And when we look at this schedule, it's just like, I'm basically just going two, two, two wins, one loss, two wins, one loss. I just don't trust this USC team to get it done in every game, which is a bummer because I think the, the skill of this team and the strength of this team is better than it will be last year. But it, I just think that the schedule is really limiting and what their season win total is going to be. What is beta rank half? So beta rank, as I said, I think beta rank is low on the Trojans. Um, but the part of the reason it's low on the Trojans is the Trojans' own disappointing performance over the last couple of years um, versus the talent they brought in. So Vaderink only has them at 7.25 wins overall. Um, now it's got them at close to six wins in conference, um, and I uh, and I might push them closer to eight. But I mean, I think that nine number is a very attractive number for a team that's got Alabama. Notre Dame that doesn't project to be great, but definitely projects to be in that 10, you know, somewhere in that 10 to 20 range this season and has Oregon and Washington on the schedule. Like that's, that's a, that's a tough schedule for the Trojans. Max, I would take the over on the eight because the juice is minus 130 and that bakes in losses to, um, I mean, a lot of people, (laughs) first of all, Alabama, of course, Um, but it bakes in a loss among the ASU Utah Cal fight. Um, It bakes in a loss to Oregon and then it bakes in a loss, I think, to UCLA, Notre Dame and um, and Washington just to tie. And if a little bit of luck bounces their way, now you're in okay shape. Is that at the end of the day, I probably stay away from this. But if I got to lean one way or the other, I would take the over eight. But curious what you would do. Yes. So uh, for for conference, I have USC at six point six conference wins and two point four Pac-12 losses. And and then the non-conference schedule, like Alabama first game, that that's that's never fun for sure. Um, and then Notre Dame to end the year, that's that's a tricky one too. Um, I'd probably ha- I'd probably have the uh, overall win projection, maybe like eight point one ish, eight point two ish. So I, it's a, it's a stay away for me. Um, if I if I had to play anything, uh, if I had to play anything, it would probably be the over eight. Just because Clay Helton only winning seven games with this team, it seems impossible, but it's still Clay Helton. Uh, but for me, this this is a stay away. <laughs> Hithlade, what do you got here on the season with Dove? I, I think that USC will be straight up better than uh, yeah. than eight of the teams that they play. It's sort of a coin flip depending on how Notre Dame and Washington, you know, play out, whether they're better or about the same uh, than those two. And I think they're worse than Oregon and Alabama Uh, to get to nine. It basically means that Clay Helton has to win every single game that he's supposed to win. I have no confidence that Clay Helton will win every single game he's supposed to win. So give me eight. All right. Nothing like ending a podcast with a straight up jab at Clay Helton. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, That's it for part one. Stay tuned a couple days for part two, the Pac-12 South. And again, next week, we will continue to do Pac-12 North season win totals, and we'll split those into two. We've been very successful on these, had a really good run last year, and looking forward to doing more.